it's great to see you this morning. Um, I was looking uh, Wednesday night and Thursday morning on Facebook, uh, and I was captivated by a lot of the comments people were making about last year, and of course as we entered the new year, and some of the things people said, 2014 was an awesome year, it was a great year, things went far beyond my expectations, it was wonderful, and it was, it was good to see, hear those things. But then I began to see a series uh, of posts that weren't as good, that 2014 was the worst year of my life. 2014 was terrible. Uh, we lost people we love. We came down with sicknesses, all kinds of problems and things happened, and, and people were saying, adios amigos to 2014. Well, the truth is, 2014 is behind us. And what I want us to look at this morning is what we can do to have the absolute best 2015 that we can have. I want to share with you a quote. It's by a guy named Carl Bard. I have no idea who he is except he was from Scotland uh, and he's dead. And he was dead as in like he was an old man that died years ago. So, but this is a great quote. No one can go back and make a brand new start. You cannot unscramble the scrambled eggs. But anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. Isn't that good? You, you and I cannot go back to 2014. We can't undo the mistakes. We can learn from them. We can't undo the sin. We can learn from it. But what we can do is make a choice this morning that we're going to, to do everything in that is possible with us to make this the best year that we can have. And I believe that starts with our relationship with Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, now we're going to have a lot of scriptures today. So, uh, you know, if you've you got a pen and paper, hopefully you can write down uh, a lot of these scriptures. Uh, but this is where we're going to start. It says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and and forever. As God wrote this through Peter, the context of this letter, the people were suffering, things were tough, things were hard. He had just talked to them about false teachers coming in and confusing them, and he ends with this word for them. He says, but grow, in the verb tense there is keep growing, no matter where you are on the journey. If you're not a Christian this morning, we are so happy you're here, and we're going to challenge you today to cross that line with Jesus Christ and give your life to him. So everything we talk about is for you. But for you Christians, everything we talk about is certainly for you. And what he's saying here is no matter where you are on the journey with Christ, you can and you should keep growing. Remember, the ultimate goal for a Christian is to look like Jesus, and by the way, Way, none of us do. So we got a lot of room for growth. He says, but grow in the grace uh, and knowledge. The word grace is one of the great biblical words. It means undeserved or unmerited favor. It also means joy. It, it means peace. It's a wonderful word. What he's saying here is I want you as a Christian, you become a Christian as a Christian, I want you to continually be growing in the grace and in the favor of Jesus Christ. It's kind of an internal beauty that just pops out of you. And then he says not only in the, the grace, but in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Now, it might be easy to take that and say, well, knowledge, that means I, I need more academic knowledge about God in the Bible. And that's fine, but that needs to be a fruit, not the root. The word knowledge there is a great word. 
If you were here at the candlelight service, I talked about this word. That is a knowledge that is experiential. It's not just academic. It's an experience you have with someone when you know someone. It literally is the word for sexual knowledge. When, a, when a, let's say, rightly, a man and a woman are married, and, and they know each other in a way that they should not know anybody else in the world. It's a knowledge of intimacy and experience. It's like someone who experiences grief or who experiences death. It's, it's one of experience. See, here's what God's saying. No matter where you are on the journey, if you think you have arrived, you need to repent this morning because you're in trouble. You have not arrived. He's saying that all of us need to continually grow in grace and in favor with Jesus Christ and in, in intimacy and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So a big thing I'm challenging you to do this morning is you set your heart to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you don't this morning. And then those of us who do, we're going to say, I'm going to spend this year growing deeper in my love and in my intimacy with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I've got, I got a list of goals that I, I drew up on the 31st and the, and the first resolutions I'm going to try to do. Everything I'm going to talk to you about is included in that. But ultimately, if you can make yourself more like Jesus this year, you will have the very best year that you possibly can. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Some of us in this room this morning are going to have tragedies happen this year. There's just too many people in here. It's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. How's the best way to get ready for a tragedy? Be strong and deep in Jesus Christ. Now, the key is how do we do that? If we just, if we just say... This morning, okay, our goal is to be a great Christian this year. That's like saying, I want to be happy and I want to be skinny. What does that mean? I mean, you've got to put some, some specifics to that. I read a statistic this week that was, that was pretty discouraging. 92% of Americans who set resolutions do not accomplish them. 92% set resolutions. I want to lose weight. I want to be prettier. I want to be happier. I want my wife to be nicer. You know, all those things that 92% don't, don't accomplish them. And the psychologist writing the article said, here's why. We're not specific enough. We say things like, I want to be happy. Uh, I want to be a better athlete. Okay, what does that mean? I want to be a better student. We're not specific enough. We don't make a commitment. We say, well, I want to do this, but we don't really make a commitment. And we're not held accountable uh, you, you don't have your wife looking over your shoulder saying, you shouldn't eat that. Remember, you said you wanted to lose three chins this year. Okay, so you need some accountability. That's what we're going to do this morning. In your bulletin, there is a little card here. These cards are identical. If you noticed, they are attached, and they're identical. Now, you absolutely do not have to do this, but I want you to do this. This will be, uh, I think, a great way for us to put some specifics to how we can grow in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know a lot, but I, I know I can help you become a Christian, and I can help you grow in Jesus Christ. And I know that if you will do these things, you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these six things rather quickly. Don't panic when I say six things. And I'm going to encourage you to check off what you will commit to, knowing that these are things, even if you're not a Christian, you can do some of these things. I think it will help you come to Christ. You can check off these things, and if you sincerely do these things, this will help you. These are specifics to help you and me grow 
in our intimacy in Jesus Christ to have the very best year that we can have. Let's start with number one, always a good place to start. Let's start with my church attendance, my church attendance. You know, in, in our world today, uh, it, it's interesting. George Barna, who is a Christian, but he's also a poster, he surveyed uh, lots of people who say that they believe in Jesus and are Christ followers. And what he's hearing more and more is that, yeah, I want to be, be serious about Jesus. I love Jesus. I just don't want to go to church. The problem is, is that Christianity is like being a part of a team, and God is the head coach, and you've got to do things the head coach's way. You can't just say, well, I want to be on a team, but I'm not going to come to practice, or, or you know, I'm going to go in the game when I want to go in the game, not when you want. You've got to do things God's way. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, listen to what it says about Jesus. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. What's the next part of that say? Is there another part? Okay, just leave it there for just a second. Okay, this is Jesus, and it says he went to the synagogue, Nazareth, where he grew up. The synagogue is the Jewish version of the local church. Now, the the, the temple was in Jerusalem. That's kind of like the the national church headquarters there. They would go if they didn't live around there once or twice, several times a year. The synagogue sprung up during one of the exile periods when the Jewish people couldn't get to Jerusalem often. And they came up, I think, with a God idea. Let's have local places of worship. Pretty smart. That was the synagogue. So it says that Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. In other words, Jesus was a regular, to use our language, habitual practicer of organized religion. He was in church. The Sabbath for a Jewish person was Friday night uh, at sundown till Saturday night sundown. In the New Testament, it moved to Sunday for two reasons. I think to distinguish from Judaism and also because Christianity celebrates the resurrection that happened on what day? On Sunday, the first day of the week. So that's, that's where we are. So if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you've got to obey Jesus. You've got to do things his way. Remember that. I've got to do things his way. Part of that is being active in church. So here's three options on the, uh, on the, on the church thing. Now, the first one, I, I had one of our men after church. He, he came back and said, well, I'll come to church every week, but you said I could only come twice a week. So I checked that. Okay. You're new to the ball game. You're not a Christian, or you're just getting back in church. Here's a great goal for you to start. I I will be in church twice a month this year. Twice a month. So I'm not ready to push that every week envelope. I'm not ready to dive off the deep end. I'm not sure there's enough water in there, and I'll crack my head on the bottom. Check that twice a month. Remember, check both of these. They're identical. We're going to turn one in at the end of the service. And then I'm going to let you keep one. And then in June, we will mail you back your copy to remind you, make you feel guilty if you haven't been doing these things about that. Here's the second thing. I will commit to be in church every Sunday morning. Some of you need to check that. Some of you already do this, obviously. You, you're, you're here on every Sunday. That's not a hard thing for you to do. That's not a huge commitment. In fact, if you came to church every Sunday morning, and I kind of built in a little get-here time and a little go-home time. Every Sunday morning, you just came to church. That would be 1.2% of your week. That's not a huge commitment. Hebrews 10.24 
It says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Christianity is, is a few decades old at this time, and people are already starting to say, well, church really is not that important. Meeting together is not that important. And God's Word says, whoop, 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 yes, it is. Yes, it is. Prioritize it. Here's the third option for those of you who want to jump off the, into the deep end. I'll commit to be in connection groups. That's our our Bible study time, and church every Sunday morning. Now, let me throw a disclaimer in here on the word every that's used in point two and three there. When we were putting this together, my staff said, you're going to say every Sunday people are going to freak out. They're going to go, well, what if, what if I get the flu? What if I'm on vacation? What if uh, it rains? You know, uh, what am I going to do? Well, remember, if it rains, if it'd keep you from work or a ball game or going shopping, stay home from church. But if you do all that other stuff, come to church. The joke about a Baptist is it takes 50 gallons of water to baptize a Baptist and two drops of rain to keep him out of church. You didn't laugh too hard because you know it's true. You don't realize how hard we pray on Saturdays. God, please may it not rain on Sunday. Um, if you were to come in, if you were going to come to church, let's say you came to connection groups, Sun, and then you came to Sunday morning church, and then you really freaked out, you went radical, and you came back on Sunday night. Say you did that. So something was wrong with you, and you started doing that. That would be 2.5 to 6% of your whole week. 2.5. That's not a huge commitment. One of my great friends in Texas is a guy named Mel Matthews. Mel ran for many years a home for troubled boys. So he, he had about 20 boys that he and several other men looked after. He, his family, he had a wife and it, had children. He had an extended family. He was an extremely, extremely busy person. But every Sunday morning and every Sunday night, he was in church. And I'll never forget him telling me. He said, Chris... By me simply coming to church, I make a huge statement of priorities to my kids, to the people who I work for and work with, and to my family. It's a, it's a huge part of the gig. Will you make a commitment this morning on your card to your church attendance? If you want to be like Christ and grow in Christ, you've got to do this. Here's the second thing, my personal Bible reading. Reading my Bible. You, you need to get into your Bible. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. I don't know about this God thing. It's, it's legal for you to read the Bible too. It's not illegal to read the Bible before you become a Christian. In fact, it's a very recommended great idea. I want to give you a couple of options on this. Well, first of all, let's look at a scripture. Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3. Listen to these great verses. Blessed, that's happy and fulfilled, is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way with the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law. And the law just literally means the word of God there. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So being in the Bible is going to make you better. It's going to make you more like Jesus. Let me give you three Bible reading options. Check one or two of these. Number one, I'll read through the New Testament this year. The New Testament... If you're not familiar, that's Matthew through Revelations, 260 chapters. I always joke with people and tell them you can read a chapter a day, five days a week, and take Saturday and Sunday off because you're so exhausted from reading and read through the New Testament easily. Folks, if, if you're a Christian, you need to read the New Testament every year at least. Do you agree with that? Not really, but... Uh, 
appease me, do you think that'd be a good idea? Okay, let's pause for a second. You don't have to raise your hands. That's one. Do, do you believe the Bible is God's word? Okay. Now, would it be important to read what God has written? Okay. Number two, for some of you who are ready to, to jump off into uh, at least chest deep or neck deep water, I'm going to read through the New Testament and one chapter in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament has 929 chapters. So it is big. But if you read one chapter a day along with your New Testament, you could read the Old Testament in about three years. But look, a long term, over a 10-year period, you could have read through the New Testament 10 times, and you could have read through the Old Testament at least three times. So that's not a bad option. And here's the last option for those of you who are really willing to go for it. Read the Bible this year. Read through the whole Bible. 1,189 chapters. That's a little more than three chapters a day. Let me encourage you. That's challenging. You can do it, but don't wait a month. Start now and and go home this afternoon and begin that. But will you check, make a commitment to your Bible reading? It's impossible to know and grow in your relationship with Christ if you're not in church and if you're not in your Bible, okay? Number three, my personal prayer time, my personal prayer time. Guys, if you're going to know Jesus Christ, you've got to be in the Bible. Man, that's where you're going to, he's revealed, that's truth. But your the intimacy and the depth of your relationship with Christ is going to be revealed in your prayer life. In Luke 5, 16, listen to what it says about our hero. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Nobody, listen, I know there's people in this room that are crazy busy, crazy busy. None of us are busier than Jesus was. Think about this. Every waking hour, Jesus had some person pulling on his robe wanting something. And then when he got alone, he had those 12 guys with him. And they were all crazy too. And they were always, you know, picking his brain, asking him questions. But Jesus prioritized prayer. Let me give you two prayer options. If you're just getting started, would you check that first one? I will commit to spending five to ten minutes a day in personal prayer. Now, here's something I want to tell you that's really cool. You, if you say this morning, I don't know how to pray, you're being honest, and, and I, that's wonderful. At every exit, we've got these little books. They're called Time Alone with God. I was given one of these two days after I became a Christian in college. I'd been in church my whole life. I didn't know how to pray. But I took this thing home, and I read it. And I want to tell you, it laid a foundation for my prayer life that I still practice today. It's really, really good. You say, I don't know how to pray. Take one of these home, read it, and use it, and and it will help you get started in a good prayer life. Here's the second prayer challenge is this. I will commit to spending 30 minutes a day in personal prayer. Now, some of you need to check that. Some of you don't need to check this. Some of you do. Some of you, it's time to say, I'm going to take my spiritual life to the next level. Only way you're going to do that is it's just like physical exercise. If you go, you know, I'm going to cut down from two, two dozen donuts a day to, to, uh, to, to one dozen a day, and I'll exercise five minutes a month, you know, it's not much is going to happen, Correct. Spiritually, it's the same way. You've got to exercise your spiritual muscles. I, I remember hearing this years ago. A person was talking about prayer. And they said, if you've been a Christian for 20 years, you should be praying about an hour a day if you have matured as you should. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room because statistics say the average 
person prays about three minutes a day. I want to challenge you to pray 30 minutes a day. I want to challenge you to jump off that and, and to pray, some of you, to take that next step and go to 30 minutes a day. Now, here is number four for us this morning. Number four is personal generosity. Personal generosity. Now, remember, being a wonderful Christian, growing in Jesus Christ, is not purely, it, it's not academic. It is, it's, it's experiential. You have to have some head knowledge, obviously, as a base, but it's experiential. Jesus Christ was a server and a giver and a doer. It's impossible for me to grow in Christ if I'm not obeying him and doing the things that he did. So I'm going to challenge you uh, in, in two areas of generosity. If you're not a Christian, you're not a church member, I don't want you to worry about number one at all. I don't want you to get uptight about it. Uh, number one, I'll, I'll commit to give 10% of my income to my church this year. If you are a churchman, maybe you're visiting this morning from another church. This applies to where you go to church. But as a Christian, and it's, it's funny, I don't like to talk about money because I know y'all don't like to hear about money. But the, the reason we don't like to hear about it is because it's a problem, isn't it? I mean, you think about this. If, if the preacher's preaching on something that you've got it figured out and you don't struggle with, you go, preach it, Right? But if he's talking about pornography and you have got a problem with it, you don't want to hear that, do you? And we talk about money, I think, because money is our G-O-D a lot of times. So I want to encourage you, if you want to follow Christ, you want to be serious, Malachi 3.10, I love Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Tithe is that 10%. Storehouse was a place in the temple. That there may be food in my house. Test me, God says. And see that I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there's not enough room for it. God says, I want you to give. And by the way, you cannot outgive me. Some of you need, many of us need to check that first one. But all of us can check this second one. I will seek to be generous with my money and my time and my service this year. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe, you, maybe you're not ready to check that first box. That's cool. This isn't a legal document, by the way. Check that second one. Everybody in here needs to up their game and be a generous person. Here's number five. My goal is to impact others in 2015. Every person in this room, listen to me, every person in this room has been left here to make a difference in the lives of others. You haven't been left here just to make money. You haven't been left here just so you can make a name for yourself uh, or you can be famous or infamous or whatever. All of us have been left here, and one reason is to impact other people. So if you're a Christian, here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to check that first box. I'm going to win at least one person to Jesus this year. You go, oh, no, that's not my gifting. That's not my calling. If you, were, if you were in a burning building and you got out of that burning building and you had found the way out of the burning building and there's other people in that building dying, would you, get that, would you get to safety and go, I just can't tell anybody how to get out. That's not my thing. That's not my gig. You should be arrested. You're drowning and you find the rope and it pulls you to safety. Don't you want to help as many other people find the rope as you can? 
1 Corinthians 9, 9. I love what Paul, God says through Paul here. Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave, the lowest position to everyone, so that God can use me to help as many people come to salvation as possible. You need to help somebody cross that line with Jesus this year. You ought to help somebody cross that line and help them go through the baptism this year and to profess Christ. But here's the second thing, again, that we can all check. I will commit to be in a right relationship with those in my life this year. This is a way you can impact people. Guys, some of us in this room right now, we got so much baggage. Man, we're, we, we're hating on people. We're bitter. We're mad. We're blaming everybody else, and we need to let that stuff go. Now, I understand relationships take two, that you can't be right with somebody if they don't want to be right with you. But what God says, as far as it depends on us, let's be in a right relationship with other people. Everyone in here, we can check that second one. And here's the last one. This brings it all together. Because without this one, all the other things are just kind of legalistic uh, things we check off and say we're going to do. But the last one brings it all together. My commitment to Christ in 2.15. Here's what I want to challenge you. Will you check this? I choose to make Jesus number one in my life this year. I want to read to you a scripture verse, and I want you to stay with me for another moment because this is a, this is a staggering verse. Luke 14, I believe it's 26. <clears throat> if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, now get this last one, even their own life, such a person cannot it is impossible, cannot be a disciple of mine. What does the word disciple mean? Disciple means a follower. <clears throat> so first what he's saying, if you don't do what this verse is saying, it's impossible to be a Christian. For us Christians, here's what, now I'm going to go back and explain the verse. That's why I want you to stay with me. For those of us who are Christians, what he's saying, you've let so many things Take the place of God in your life. We've got so many things that are more important than God in our lives. Now that word hate, that's not very, very important. That word hate, the New Testament was written in Greek originally. That word hate in our English Bibles literally does not translate and mean hate like you think hate. What it means literally is to love less than. Some of you were going, man, I, they gave me permission to hate my family. That was going to be pretty cool. No, it didn't. Some of you were going, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. It literally means to love less than. And he touches on the most precious things in our lives. He says, you, to put me first means that you're going to love me more than your wife, your husband, your kids. Oh, get a load of this. Even yourself, your job, your career, your money. That you're going to prioritize me above everything else. And let me throw this in. If you will love Jesus more than anything else, you will be the best husband, the best wife, the best parent, the best child, the best coach, the best business person, the best teacher, the best person you can absolutely be by doing this. But that's the crux of Christianity. Christianity. 
That's what we're building for. And all this other thing is that we will put Jesus first. Will you check that sincerely on those pages today? And if you would, sign your name at the bottom of both of those cards when you're done. And then just set them aside, and we'll go back to them in just a second. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to talk to you a little more in a moment, but I am really, really want God to grab your heart and to get you to really place Him number one in your life. And if you're not a Christian, would you sincerely this morning, if you're ready to do this, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you you died for me. And that you came back to life for me. Jesus, this morning, I'm surrendering my life to you. And I'm asking you to come into my life today. Let me have your attention just for a second. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart with me just just then. Or maybe you're ready to do it. When we stand, I know this is hard, but I want to challenge you when we stand. Would you come today and talk to one of our ministers and seal that, settle that deal with you and God? Maybe you're here today and you're ready to join our church. There's more than one way you can do this, but one way you could do it today is when we stand. You could come. There will be ministers down here, and we'll help you with that decision. Christian, let today be the day that you say, I'm going to have a great year because I'm selling it out to Christ. Maybe today it's time when we stand to leave your seat and come and pray with the minister or pray at the altar. Maybe with your family or your spouse. Maybe just by yourself. And to say afresh to Jesus that I'm going to let you have me completely this year. Let's stand. As God leads you, we'll be waiting.